Okay, so we are a Bible teaching church, and we are going through the book of Zechariah. And I'm in Zechariah chapter 12. Zechariah 12. And uh, we've been working our way through this book. It's written to the people who came out of the Babylonian captivity. Almost all of his audience would have been born during the captivity of 70 years, and they've been back in the land. They were restored victoriously, miraculously, and yet it's been kind of discouraging because the, because the progress has been slow, and they're still feeling a lot of opposition. They're still feeling really vulnerable in the land, and so God opens up his heart and speaks to them through his prophets. And that's what Zechariah is about, to encourage God's people to continue on, to continue on serving him, to continue to work for him, to live for him and live in faith. One of the awesome principles of the Bible is we walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, we don't always see um, the straight-out empirical evidence that God is at work, that he's answering our prayer immediately. We don't always see that. In fact, some people would say, I hardly ever see that. I worked as a hospital chaplain 13 years, and I would be called to bedsides of a dying patient and ask, could you please pray that the Lord would heal them? And uh, there were some times when there were miraculous turnabouts. Uh, I remember one mother came to me, I, she, I can't believe it. You went in there and prayed, and her, her young son, who uh, was very, very, very gravely ill in ICU, you know, had a miraculous turnaround and was, was, uh, lived for many more years after that. But honestly, that didn't happen very, very often. A lot of times I'd pray, and apparently the answer is no, I'm not going to answer that prayer uh, the way you'd like it to be answered. So sometimes we walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, always, you know, we walk by faith in the promises of God, even though somebody could say, you're being ridiculous. There is no God. Look, I shake my fist at God. God, if you're there, you know, hit me with a bolt of lightning. Uh, look, he didn't hit me, so therefore he's not there. You know, well, you know, your your evidence is <laughs> gathered over too short of a period of time. You know, <laughs> give it some time, and that could happen. So they're discouraged, and and God is encouraging them. And uh, today's passage um, is, generally speaking, this. Here's the general idea, the gist of the passage of scripture. You are very small, and your timeline is pretty short. Uh, and you don't understand what all is happening in this globe. You don't understand all that God is planning to do and that God is actively working toward right now. Uh, it's good to actually be humble. Uh, I don't have a lot of time, but I feel like, let me recommend a nice little prayer uh, that's useful when life is just plain overwhelming. Psalm 131. This, this is kind of the gist. It's one of the responses we ought to have uh, to Zechariah 12 and to many things. O oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. 
My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. Humbly just saying, you know, God, I don't understand this. And I'd, I'd like to be the guy who understood everything and could explain everything all the time. And purpose, you know, perfectly knew why things happened. Uh, but I've come to the reality that I'm not God. I am not the Lord. And so, Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. Uh, you know, that's sort of being occupied just the only thing I can think about is how confusing life is. And this psalm is saying, you've got to release that. You've got to rise above that and say, I'm not God. I don't understand it all. And I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. Okay? And then I like the, the second verse, of course, too. This Psalm 131. Psalm 131. But I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. It's one of those rare moments where the image of God is as a mother. And we are cuddling into the arms of our loving mother. and We're weaned, so we're not demanding to be nursed right now. Uh, we're just... Just loving the feel of that comfort, that surrounding love, loving her humming, loving her voice. Uh, sweet, wonderful moments in human life. And he's saying, that, I've got to get my soul to that place. And then he says, uh, verse 3, Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So, Take two Psalm 131s and call me in the morning. (laughs) Good, good, good uh, meditation. So part of that is here. You're you're not understanding. I understand your discouragement. It makes sense. But I want you to see that God is at work and he's doing something really amazing. And we don't know the timeline, when that's going to take place. But since we know God, we know it will take place. And God's doing some amazing things. And remember chapter 12, excuse me, chapter 11 was this incredible sort of balance chapter saying, by the way, really hard times are coming. Uh, perilous times are coming, I said last week. And there's going to be testing, there's going to be difficulty, uh, particularly for Israel. Israel's going to go through horrible testings. Uh, one of the things in the Bible is uh, there's a time, it's called the, the time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob is another, you know, nickname for Israel. And they're going to go through this horrendous, unbelievable, overwhelming time of crisis and trouble. So all of that's coming. And you're going to have some horrible leaders. And then ultimately you're going to even have the worst leader ever, which is probably the Antichrist, uh, in verses 16 and 17 of chapter 11. But now in chapter 12, he's kind of getting back to, but I am going to save you. You know, you're going to have a horrible, rotten time. This will hurt a lot, but I'm doing it for a good reason. Okay, so let me read the, the word of God. This is uh, not poetry here. It's uh, 
just written out in prose this time. Chapter 12, Zechariah 12. The burden of the word of the Lord concerning Israel. Thus declares the Lord, who stretched out the heavens and founded the earth and formed the spirit of man within him. Pause for a second. That's quite a resume. (laughs) What have you done? What's your experience? Well, I uh, made the entire universe. (laughs) I founded the earth and created this incredible being called man with a spirit within him. Well, okay, well, we might have room for you somewhere (laughs) in our organization. Quite a resume. Okay, this is the one who speaks. Behold, I am about to make Jerusalem a cup of staggering to all the surrounding peoples. The siege of Jerusalem will also be against Judah. On that day, I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it will surely hurt themselves, and all the nations of the earth will gather against it. On that day, declares the Lord, I will strike every horse with panic and its rider with madness. But for the sake of the house of Judah, I will keep my eyes open when I strike every horse of the peoples with blindness. Then the clans of Judah shall say to themselves, the inhabitants of Jerusalem have strength through the Lord of hosts, their God. On that day, I will make the clans of Judah like a a blazing pot in, in the midst of wood, like a flaming torch among sheaves. And they shall devour to the right and to the left, all the surrounding peoples, while Jerusalem shall again be inhabited in its place, in Jerusalem. And the Lord will give salvation to the tents of Judah first, that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem may not surpass that of Judah. On that day, the Lord will protect the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the feeblest among them on that day shall be like David, and the house of David shall be like God, like the angel of the Lord going before them. And on that day, I will seek to to destroy all the nations who come against Jerusalem. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. On that day, the mourning of Jerusalem will be as great as the mourning for Hadad Rimmon in the plain of Megiddo. The land shall mourn, each family by itself. 
the family of the house of David by itself and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Nathan by itself and their wives by themselves. Just a little text note. You know, my name is Nathan. And I was always thinking I was named after the prophet Nathan, which is probably true. This is actually Nathan, the son of David. Why didn't I know this? <laughs> it's like I'm a Bible student my entire life, and I didn't know this, that David had a son named Nathan. And remember the horrible sin with Bathsheba? And they, she had a baby who died in infancy. Well, then she had another son, not Solomon, Nathan. The first living son of Bathsheba was, had a great name, <laughs> Nathan. Uh, so this is basically saying, verse 12, you know, David, the king, and his uh, son, one of his sons, meaning all, basically, will be grieving, and, and they'll be uh, their wives by themselves. I have some explanations of this later. Verse 13. The family of the house of Levi by itself and their wives by themselves. The family of the Shimites by itself and their wives by themselves. And all the families that are left each by itself and their wives by themselves. On that day, there shall be a fountain opened for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this word. Open our hearts. Would you please rip them open and pour in your grace and pleas for mercy and take us to the fountain of the blood of Jesus. And as we come to you through the worthy one, uh, teach us today, we pray, in the name of our Savior. Amen. Okay, so this psalm starts out, I mean this uh, chapter, uh, starts out with creation. It's one of my favorite topics in the whole Bible. Um, it says, just look, look at the language here, right? It's kind of like piling it up. Uh, the burden of the word, you know. It's the idea that there's this massive word. It's thick and uh, it has mass to it. You know, something you carry. I carry this burden. The burden of the word of the Lord, the word of Yahweh concerning Israel, thus declares the Lord, thus declares Yahweh. And this, as I said, is his resume. He stretched out the heavens in the beginning. Uh, we have no idea what this was like, but it's massive and huge and mind-boggling. There's three things it says. He stretched out the heavens and founded the earth and formed the spirit of man within him. Uh, I love the heavens. Uh, we, we had a display this past week. I hope many of you got to see the crazy moon. It was bloody and orangey and then gray and eclipsed and quite quite amazing, all, all things being equal. Um, and I love the reality of uh, the stars. The stars are just phenomenal to me. You know, uh, how many galaxies are there? You know, the numbers keep growing. 
Now, honestly, the estimates of galaxies are between 100 and 500 billion galaxies. (laughs) And and each galaxy has billions of stars. Uh, I was talking with my son-in-law, John, about that, and he said, wow, think of all that energy. You know, and a lot of these stars are bigger than our own sun, right? How much energy does our own sun have? You know, we can't even measure it, perhaps. And, and these billions upon billions of stars with practically infinite energy. God says, I stretched that out. You know, we can imagine he had it all in a ball and stretched it out. I don't, I don't think, well, they said the farthest star might be 13.2 billion light years away. We can't understand that, right? I can understand like from here to the end of the building, but <laughs> yeah, that's about it, right? 13.2 billion light years away, um, and, and he stretched it out. You know, the light's following. I don't think it took 13.2 billion years for that light to get to the earth. It all started in the same place, and he stretched it out. That's how he did it. He says right here, it's on his resume. <laughs> you know, the Bible asserts that God created, and it tells us how. He created. Don't ever, people say that. Well, it does say that he created, but it doesn't say how he created. Uh, actually, it does. Very clear. He created with power. He created with the sound of his voice. You know, you try that. You know, candle, go out! Go out! <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> Aren't you glad I cannot do that? <laughs> um, but God can do, you know, way, way bigger than extinguishing a candle by the sound of his voice. And then, then he, the next thing on, he founded the earth. You know, you ever heard of this stu- the study of the privileged planet? Uh, it's this amazing study that shows all of the amazing realities that we have here on the earth that make our life possible. And we are indeed extremely privileged as a planet. That, you know, a big part of our space exploration right now is to look out there and find Earth-similar environments, right? And they, they think they might find one or two, but nothing's really there. Nothing's really close. And the resume is he founded the Earth. He made it. He put it where he wants it, and he keeps it just right as long as he wants it there. Sometimes... The Bible will say it will not be shaken. And that's in the context of as long as he doesn't want to shake it. (laughs) At some point, he's going to destroy it. The Bible tells us that, too, in the book of uh, Peter, that he's going to destroy the old heavens and the new earth. But for now, this is God. This is how powerful our God is. And, And then he says that he made the spirit of man. I don't have a slide for that, but... Look at the guy next to you. You know, um, that's a human being. They got a spirit in them. Uh, we went to the amazing, beautiful place, and the weather was crazy good yesterday. We went to the Marin Headlands above San Francisco yesterday. You go over the Golden Gate Bridge, take the first exit, and then go up the hill uh, to the westbound. Fantastic place to go. I put it on the bucket list of must dos while you're in California. And way back in there, there's a thing called, it's called Marin is the area, Marin County. And there's a Marin, uh, Marine Mammal Center that works closely with our um, aquarium here. 
saving the lost seals and this sort of thing. Um, and, and we were talking with one of the volunteers there who's very, very versed in what they're doing there. And she, she just made this off-the-cuff comment that kind of bugged me. <laughs> uh, I didn't, I didn't tell her it bugged me, but uh, she was talking about the elephant seals of the, like the, uh, the ones that are not too old, just, a f- I don't even know how old, a few months, a few years old. And she said, you know, you know, they have the intelligence of a fourth grader. Oh, <laughs> you know, I was like, what are you talking about? An elephant seal that's a few months old is as intelligent as a fourth grader? This is a nine-year-old human being. The Danilux, isn't Christabel nine? Have you ever met Christabel and, and an elephant seal? You know, there's, there's some radical differences here. <laughs> Christabel's like a, she's like a little adult. She's amazing. She's fantastic. Have she, has she ever sinned? Probably. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but seriously, she's, she's the image of God. God created her and she has a spirit within her. You know, the, Elephant seals have not created the Marin human hospital where they have humans lounging by the, the, the pool. This one's got a flu and we're hoping to, to heal him. No, but the human beings who have the spirit of loving God's creatures have done amazing things. I even Googled it. I said, fourth grade choir on, on uh, YouTube. And it popped up this little choir singing some beautiful little song, nice little two-part harmony. And they're human beings. I've never heard that from an elephant seal. <laughs> um, anyway, what am I saying? I'm saying we have a God who's excitingly powerful and amazing. And he speaks. And don't you know that he's the one who has an amazing plan? 